Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the podcast that talks all things football, all things Saints. 2022's not started too badly, a hell of a lot better than last year. My name's Callum Wilson. My name's Tom Murray and this is Under the Lights. Yeah, so Tom, uh, happy new year. We're back in the, the swing of things. We've played in the cup, we've played in the league, and uh, we've won both. Yeah, not a, not a bad start to the new era at Saints, is it? Seven goals scored, two wins. Yeah. And a takeover. What, and you know, a takeover, you know, Europe, here we come. <laughs> Can only go downhill from here, right? <laughs> exactly. I uh, mean, we're, we are up to the, uh, the giddy heights of 11th, so... Whew. I know, I know. I saw uh, that we were closer to the Champions League uh, places than we are to the relegation zone. Makes a nice which is, uh, A nice stat, although I think we'll be safely in the middle between those two places, not threatening uh, the top four or the bottom three, we'd like to think. Which is a nice place to be, especially considering that we uh, managed to just about progress in the cup because we're one of those teams that are are firmly placed to uh, potentially try and concentrate on a little bit of a cup run. And uh, we just about got away with it against uh, against Swansea. Yeah, we did. Um, I thought again, it was sort of the uh, the story of the season. We take an early lead through through Redmond, very clinical finish, really good finish. He's got a really good record in the uh, in the FA Cup at the moment for Saints. I think in his last eight games, it's like six goals and two assists, which is ridiculous and he is certainly a man in form in that competition but then again you know time and time again we've seen it this season Saints then fail to build on that lead apparently Swansea fans were thinking they were lucky not to be four or five nil down about half an hour into the game Saints were just having so many opportunities Teller had a good effort from close range that went over the bar he probably should have hit the target and then the game changed on the around the half hour mark when Jan Valerie got himself sent off. I mean, did you see much of that? Or did, did you watch much of the game or was it did you Yeah, see- I saw I saw about this I saw the second half of it. Um mm. I was out for the for the first sort of 55, 60 minutes. But yeah. then uh, thanks to extra time I, I managed to see a decent chunk of it. But I mean, you t- talk talk about that. I've seen the second. I've seen obviously the the, the second yellow for the red. Mm. But talk about um, how that came about because after that is a very different performance from Saints to that that you yeah. just discussed with all those chances because it seemed like Saints were rather pedestrian from the moment I watched it until we until we conceded a couple of goals. Yeah, it was very much a case of, well, well. first of all, we'll talk about the sending off. I mean, the first one, uh, Val- for the first yellow, Valerie's coming late. Uh, he's coming from behind as well. So it's a, it's an easy yellow to give. Um, and then, of course, that means he's already on a tightrope quite early on. And then for the second yellow, uh, the sending off, I think he's he's given the referee a very easy decision to make. He's already on a yellow. He's not watched his man. Obafemi's gone behind him, racing through. Yes, he's barely touched him, and Obafemi has hit the floor like a sack of spuds. But um, he's giving he's giving the referee such an easy decision to make, considering that Obafemi would have had a, a a chance in on goal most likely. And yet, 
hardly touched him, but it, yeah, it's, it is yeah. it is a yellow and he's put Saints in a difficult position. I know a lot of fans on Twitter, especially, were getting annoyed with Oberfemi saying that he's he's dived completely. But I mean, you the guy's on a the guy's on a yellow. You you realize he's taken a bad touch. He's let the ball bounce. It reminded me a little bit of the chance when um, uh, a couple of years ago, where we played Newcastle before the before. Um, the, the first lockdown where the ball went over the top of Valerie and that allowed Sam Maximan to nip in and score. And it almost seemed an identical situation to that. However, he's got his hand on, um, on Oberfemi. He's gone down, easy decision, yellow card sending off. And then, yeah, I think the, the game changed completely, even though Swansea, they really didn't. It, it was a strange one because Saints were down to 10 men. And as you said, they just made it very pedestrian. They, they slowed the game right down. There was no yeah. real incentive for them. They're, they're already 1-0 up. They might as well, especially see out the first half. Because, you know, once a team goes down to 10 men, the other one seems to get really galvanised for the next 5, 10 minutes. And then you're sort of uh, trying to just see off that siege, as it were. But Swansea never did that in the first half. They rarely threatened the Saints' goal. Uh, at all, really. And I know they've scored twice in the match, but one of them's a, a lucky own goal. And the other one has come about from really, really poor defending. Aside from that, they didn't really have too many efforts on goal. And it was really, really surprising how poor Swansea were. Yeah, the, the game really changed on that red card. And I was, I was talking to Tom Leach before the, uh, before the Brentford game on Tuesday at St Mary's. And, and I, I likened... There were a lot of similarities between the sendings off of, of Jan Valerie at Swansea to uh, Mo Salisu against Tottenham because I, I, I think if those two yellow cards offences were flipped round, then it wouldn't have resulted in a red. And what I mean by that is both of them sort of came through the back of their man, got a yellow card early on. But the second offence the referee's forced to give them a yellow card. They don't have... It's not subjective. You know, a, a Salisu fouled a man in the box. You know, last man, double jeopardy means it's not a red, but he's already on a yellow. And ultimately, it means it's yeah. a red anyway, and they score the penalty. Um, with this one, but for Obafemi's awful first touch going through to the goalkeeper, it could be argued that that might have been a straight red anyway, because Jan Valerie was... You know, last man or didn't no obvious cover was coming. So, I think if it was the other way around, and the penalty for Salisu and that last man sort of half last man challenge from Valerie were the first yellows, then in the first half the referee might have let them off with a bit of a warning for some rash challenges or being a bit too aggressive coming in from behind. Too many, too many fouls, totting up process. So. In a way, they're unfortunate. But once you're on that tightrope tight and you're you're on a yellow card, there are certain challenges that you just can't make. And this isn't the first time that Jan Valery's um, made these sorts of errors. We've discussed before that at right back, he's a liability. I think at right centre-back in that system where he's got two other centre-backs with him, he's maybe not so isolated one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, he's been superb in that sort of man marking game that we had against Tottenham for instance so yeah that, that was unfortunate and as you say then I'd, I'd switch on second half and Swansea really didn't look to have much quality and Saints seemed to I know Saints have been holding back 
when they get one nil leads sitting on them, especially when you've got 10 men trying to defend their way through. But it, it, something seemed a bit different with this game because they were playing championship op opposition and they really didn't look threatening. I wanted to see more from Saints when we won the ball back with a counter-attack, with, um, with that opportunity to exploit the spaces. But there wasn't the case. Saints were playing at a walking pace. It was like they were trying to run the clock down, thinking they're not really good enough to break us down. So let's just literally run the clock down, get to the full-time whistle and, and go home with our name in the hat. And then ultimately Swansea got the equaliser. As you say, you know, poor, poor defending all round. And, um, and they take the lead in, uh, in the second, well, the first half of, of extra time. And then within three kicks from kickoff, yeah. Saints show exactly what they could have done all game. Mm. As soon as they need to score, they score. I put something on Twitter, the picture of uh, the, the silhouette of the man playing FIFA. And then uh, as soon as he goes 1-0 down, suddenly he's gone from leaning back in his chair yeah. to crouching forward. It seems like that's what Saints did. They, they, they seem to have no real reason throughout the game to pick it up. And all of a sudden, before they realised it, they were 2-1 down and thought, oh shit, we need to do something about this. Mm. From kickoff, two or three passes and the ball was in the back of the net. And then soon after that, obviously, Shane Long followed up his, uh, his assist for Elianusi with, uh, with a goal of his own. A great ball from, from James Ward-Prowse. We seem to exploit that left-back area of, of Swansea quite well. And, and Ward-Prowse, of course, deputising and in the right-back position. We've seen him there before. That's what you can get from him, some great delivery. Saints showed really well that they could go through the gears quite quickly just to make sure that they won the game, which was really pleasing to see a really good reaction. However, I'm just a question I'll pose to you. In the first, in, in, in normal time, they're one nil up. Swansea are not too much of a threat. Uh, they don't look like scoring. Do you think maybe Saints weren't too fussed about going forward because they were maybe had their minds on Tuesday and they didn't want to burn themselves out and go completely gung-ho to to get the win where they could risk injury or getting tired. I know it sort of backfired because it went to extra time uh, just in, in that game because it obviously didn't backfire on Tuesday. But do you reckon that could have been the case? Perhaps, but we're not talking about relentless pressing the whole time. More than happy for Saints to, to defend in numbers and make it difficult for a championship side to break them down. But then pick your moments to to go on those counter-attacks with two or three players. And if you're worried about the likes of Brozier or someone getting injured that you want to start at the weekend, there are plenty of options on the bench. Now, we were playing with Adam Armstrong on the wing, but we were defending the whole time with no real obvious plan or intention to use him going forward. In which case, why was he on the pitch at all? He did a brilliant job, don't get me wrong. And, and he always does when he plays on the wing. He does the job that you're expecting him to do defensively. But that's not his game. No. So why not put him up top? Let him have a bit of energy. You know, the substitutions weren't really, you know, they kind of, we made them in in bulk sort of near the end of the game. There wasn't, it was a bit more like about refreshing the players and the lineup, like you said, with Tuesday in mind. But it didn't seem like we were really set up with any intention to, it almost seemed like we weren't bothered about the cup, which I don't believe was the case, but that performance no. certainly looks that way. And then, as, as, as I've mentioned, as soon as all of a sudden we were going out, everyone got their shit together and we very quickly 
asserted our dominance as a as a team, uh, a division above. And um, it was great to see Shane Long as well involved in the uh, the two goals that that got us that um, all elusive home FA Cup tie against uh, against Coventry in the next round. And that's worked out quite nicely as well because with the with the win and being so far ahead of the relegation zone, we can now possibly put out a strong team for that Coventry game. I mean, I think we're gonna we were gonna put out a strong team anyway because Hasenhutel really rates the the cup competitions. He rarely changes it too much, and he likes to because um, there were there were um, ums and ahrings about the weekend thing. Are we gonna hear see a really youthful side? And then it turned out a lot of the youth was on the bench. And yeah, I don't really... think that was ever a threat. A lot of people saw a lot on Twitter of uh, when people predict their lineups and very heavily geared towards the youth and me and yourself explained that we don't think it will be first team but we also don't think it will be really heavy on the youth we think it'll be somewhere in between I was quite surprised at, at some of the selections I didn't think Brozier would be involved for instance um, I, I thought Romeo would probably get a rest and the likes of Diallo would play he did go a lot stronger than I thought he would obviously Valerie played really because he was our only recognised right back but other than that we we were we were pretty strong, you know. Stevens came in for Salisu again. That was enforced, so there weren't too. There weren't really. I'm just trying to think of the rest of the lineup, but there weren't really too many players that were dropped. I think. I think he he went pretty much as strong as you can go with the injuries and the suspensions that we had, um, and I think he'll do the same against Coventry because that will be a more difficult test. They're they're flying high. Um, were they promoted last season, Coventry? And, and I think no, they've started I... really well. I don't know actually. I th I'm fairly now, sure. They, I, th I think it's their second the season before. Yeah, they're but very certainly new. they weren't anywhere near the the, the playoffs last season. Yeah, you know, they're, no. they're ahead of where anyone where anyone thought they would be. Yeah, um, so they'll be, be nice be a, to see yeah. them down. At, it'd be nice to see them down at St Mary's. We've had some good battles over the years, relegation battles back at the old Dow days, and then of course the uh, the famous win back in uh, about what, ten years ago when uh, when Saints got promoted uh, to the Premier League after a seven-year absence. So it'd be good to see them down here. And it will be a test because they're doing very, very well. And I'm, I'll be interested to see what they do with their lineup because in some ways, I think they have a more difficult choice to make with regards to the FA Cup. Do they play a strong team and really try and have a go and test themselves against the Premier League outfit away from home? Or do they bring changes and focus on trying to become a Premier League out for themselves with um, being in around the playoffs. Yeah, it'd be certainly an interesting to one to see what happens for that game. That's, uh, I think it's the first weekend of February, that one. Um, Callum, let's move on to, to Tuesday because what a night. What a performance. What a night. It was, just a, it was just a brilliant... By the end of it, everything was great because the, the takeover had happened and... Uh, Solak was there, as was Henry Kraft. The, the atmosphere took a while to get going because it was a really slow start to the game. Mm. Brentford came down in their numbers with their fans. St Mary's, there were, it was patchy, the attendance. There were a lot of empty seats. And I know it's a rearranged midweek game when it was supposed to be the Saturday before Christmas. And people who had tickets might not have been able to go and all those things, you know, probably isolation with COVID. But... Mm. It was a little bit, it wasn't quite the atmosphere we've had before games previously, and especially under the floodlights, you expect 
a little bit more. But by the end, having won a game at Cantus, the first time we've won a game this season by more than one goal, it was the first time our fans had had the opportunity to celebrate before the game had finished because you know what we're like, even with a yeah. two-goal lead, you know, one goal, one goal away from panic stations. So, um, and that's exactly what we got, you know, chance of we're the northern, we're the itching. It's very, very rare that we get to play around with uh, the opposition fans and Olay football. And at one point, something happened where someone decided to put a flashlight on their phone and then half the stadium followed suit. But by the end of it, when the fans were coming, uh, when the when the players and the, the manager were coming around to applaud, and you know we were in full voice, it was a it was a real special occasion. It's a night at some areas that we haven't had very often uh, in the last few years, and another Harsen Tom. No, and it, and you, it's it's funny you say it was a, it was a slow start because we took the lead after a, well, yeah, a few yeah. minutes. <laughs> but the, I mean the perfect start. And then, and then it's a terrific equaliser from Brentford. It's a great, really good technique on the volley from Yanel. Um, and then you're thinking, okay, Saints have had had the lead for a little bit. They've equalised. How's this going to go now? And for once, Saints actually had a little bit of luck on their side with the with Diallo's shot cannoning off the off the post, off the hand of the keeper, and back in the net uh, straight before half time. Yeah, well. Yeah, you mentioned, yeah, when I say slow start, you're right. We were we were one nil up and there were three goals before half time. But in terms of the overall sort of speed of the game and the play, it was at times it was quite lethargic. I mean, Brentford, honestly, from start to finish, were the worst team I've seen at St. Mary's in a long, long time. You know, they're obviously better than that, but they were abysmal throughout. The one bit of quality came with their goal it just seemed I mean Saints were Saints won 4-1 and it sounds weird but they weren't at their best because they didn't need to be the mm. first half was a, a we were by far the we were, pardon it was it was quite scrappy wasn't it there were lots of loose yeah. touches poor passing especially from Brentford though I mean every time they got the ball and had had an attempt to get behind us or the ball was rolling under the foot of Ivan Tony, or Visa would come on and he'd lose the ball and it wouldn't know where it was and it was it, it happened constantly which allowed Saints to although we worked hard out of possession it was really really easy for us to regain it uh Diallo and Ward Prowse were particularly immense in in that regard but Saints got the lead early on exploited a, a vulnerability at set pieces uh really well attacked by Bednarek I wasn't sure at first I was doing the comms uh, for the audio description on my own on uh, Tuesday and Romeo went up and it just went over his head and it looked to come off Bednarek. Ivan Tony and a couple of others were in there too and then Bednarek kind of walks away in celebration which made me think oh did it come off him or was it maybe an own goal but it was definitely the Poles he's just so used to scoring in recent times and, yeah. and the Saints not losing the curse is over it's um yeah he's 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 a goal scoring machine got one at got one at uh up in London Stadium, and now he's he's got the opener again. But it was great to get an early goal once again. Saints have done that a lot this season, mm. and they controlled a lot of the game. And then the um, the equaliser came, which really was Brentford's only threat of scoring throughout up up, up until that point. And it was really well taken. Mm. Um, Salisu wouldn't be too happy, and Bomo got round him 
really easily. Didn't really have to drop the shoulder or do too much. He showed him around the outside and he took that, crossed it in, and it was a really technically good finish at the far post by Janot. Yeah, it was. It sort of came out of the blue, as you said. It was their only real opportunity because, as you said, Brentford they were they were shocking. Every time they went forward with the ball, it just seemed to, as you said, loose touches, poor passes, rolls under the foot of Tony, who seems to be completely out of form at the moment. He always looked like such an exciting prospect, and I know in quite a few matches he has been lauded as, um, you know, a re- really exciting talent that Brentford have got. However, recently it's just it's just not happening for him. He was he was awful. Oh, mate, he was so bad. I was, you know, obviously I wasn't disappointed as a Saints fan, but from what you come to expect and the hype from last season, I know he hasn't got too many goals this year, but they say he's been playing well. He was woeful. He wasn't winning anything in the air and he he dominated by the centre-backs. He was lost the ball on countless occasions, just didn't seem to... He really looked like he wasn't bothered. He looked like he was... Like he thought he was on the move to another club and he was just disinterested in... Mm. Helping his side out, which has the talisman, is um, you know is, isn't Thomas Frank won't be too happy. And Bomo no. was the danger man, if anything. But yeah, he he had a really off game. I don't know if he's been playing like that for a while or not. I haven't watched too many Brentford games, but he was he was the fact that he was off song made it an easy night for Saints because he obviously is the danger man. Yeah, he was he wasn't a threat at all. Let's talk about. Um... One player I want to talk about who did so well in the first time, I mean, throughout the whole game was the, is, I'm really impressed with the consistency of Roman Pero. Every time he comes on, he's just such a threat down that left side. And actually, there are a few chances in that first half where we got the ball down the right, attempted a crossing, and the only person in the box trying to get anything on the end of it was Pero. He was really, really going for it. And there was that opportunity right before half time where Redmond hit that swerving, volleyed cross that Pero almost headed yeah. into the top corner. He was superb. Yeah, yeah. There was a, I, I know I know the points you were talking about as well. Of Brody was getting down the right hand side really well. And he was fantastic, honestly. He had them on toast all game. And he got down the right wing. And one of many times he got around the man, popped it through the six yard box a couple of times, and he wasn't quite he was he was in the box but he didn't have the instincts that you that Broyer if he was in there yeah. or Adam Armstrong or, or Che Adams would potentially have he was on his back foot he ended up not even going in and sliding for the ball he'd run out to the other side of the six yard box and try and deliver again obviously he got there for that sidewinder volley from Redmond which was fantastic and ended up sort of coming off his chest in the end but mm. clawed away it was a, it was a really strange corner. one it was a good save yeah. by the keeper it was, but it was a really interesting battle between him and Roslev early on. I, I, I noted it from from quite early when um, the point where Roslev kind of had his arms around his collarbone, his neck, and Perot shoved him away and he got the free kick. And that seemed to start a 90-minute-long battle between the two of them, which Perot did get the best of. But he, he was, yeah, he was fantastic. I think he is a wing-back. I don't think he's a left-back. I think against Swansea, he was... A bit of a vulnerability. Uh, he doesn't seem to kind of ever be goal side. And re- whereas, with a, as a fullback, he can get forward. But when he does get back, he, he's got Salisu and another couple of centre backs kind of covering for mm. him. So I do think better going forward than going backwards. But he's got time in this league to uh, to improve that. And, and in the French league, don't necessarily have to be that good at defending as a fullback. 
but it, he he's one of many that you can call on. I think his former Brest teammate and good friend Ibrahim Diallo. I I thought he was absolutely terrific all game. Not just on the ball. People see how calm he is. He always kind of plays with like a a really kind of upright posture. Like it's like sounds strange, but he always plays. He's never arcs over. He's always got his his back up really straight, leant back, sort of looking, allows him to see everything on the park. And and I think that's where that kind of calmness comes from because he's never kind of rushing anything. He's kind of really literally laying, leaning back all the time. And, uh, and and that's brilliant. But what, what I was really impressed with was his work off the ball. He won it. The amount of times he must have won the ball back. And Ward Prowse, obviously, as well, the same thing. And he had the stats but those two were were like terriers the entire game, and uh, and that's where it started for us. We won we won that midfield battle. Arsenal played three five two for the first time that I can remember because he matched them up. I remember before the game discussing um, in the media room with a few people once once the team sheet was leaked. No one no one knew what was going on. I think. Um, I think the, the likes of the guys from the Echo and, and, and Tom were saying that they thought it would be a back four and maybe Bednarek or Lianko would be there. I hoped that wasn't the case because we'd seen Bednarek there before and I thought mm-hmm. I thought it would either be James Ward-Prowse, Redmond or Teller that might have to play at right wing back and we'd, we'd match them up 3-5-2 and, and that's what ended up happening. But Teller played so well. He wouldn't have been the first person I thought would play there. I thought maybe Redmond, if anyone. So, yeah, they, they played magnificently in the midfield three. Broya won every header in the air. He did what Tony should have done. He was running onto his own flick-ons to either block a, 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 a clearance or to run on and go down the wing, beat his man every single way he could down that right-hand side, got himself his goal after, after the half-time break. But, yeah, everyone to a man all over the park they were they were brilliant. I think Lianco had a good game. A lot of people seem to think he didn't. I think kind of every now and again he has a bit of a headless chicken moment. He was <laughs> running after everyone on the team for blood at one point second half, but he won everything in the air. He was calm. Uh, and Fraser Forster at the end had a couple of really good saves as well. So yeah, all round we're by far worth the better team and, and well worth that victory. And one thing that um one quote that came out in the last week was about how you know this I think one of the players came out and said this is the most like together I've known a squad at at Saints for quite some time and you can see it on the pitch they're all happy to play in different positions they look like they're really fighting for each other and that is so pleasing to see after I mean both you and I have questioned that in the past especially under Ralph have they lost faith in the manager but it seems as though this is a really tight-knit group of players and we're now seeing the rewards of that. Yeah. Do you know who it was who said that? Was it? I think it might have been. Was it Romeo who said that? Must have been someone like that because a lot yeah. of them haven't been there very long. No. I think, but yeah. Could you imagine? Adam I think Armstrong. I saw that, this is the longest. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I've been I here think for I saw a few that, actually because that was that wasn't a, that wasn't hugely recent, was that? That was a few probably a few games ago that I saw him yeah. say something like that. So yeah, you're right. And he's been around. He was he, he was in when Kuman was here, wasn't he? So. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, the squads, we wondered if they had character and backbone and that's still to be seen because obviously we still do have leads and let them get away. But what was brilliant, second half was, although Brentford came out and they had a bit more of the ball, 
I thought the most important goal was that Broya one because... It killed the game, didn't I, it? I, yeah, otherwise we, it would have been another game where we were defending a one-goal lead all of the second half. And that invites pressure. And, you know, we may well have won the game 2-1, but we may well have conceded something as well. So um, I don't know what Brentford would do. Again, they were, they were just so shit. I mean, their back line... <laughs> Their back line was so high, yet they had no pace. They were kind of quick to move up, but slow at the same time because they seemed to move up when the, the threat hadn't quite left, but they were too slow to do it and play anyone offside, if that makes sense. They were kind of yeah. catch-22. They wanted to get out when they shouldn't have, but they were too slow to do it. And that's where the goals came from. I mean, Broya was, Broya was inside his own half when Romeo played that inch perfect ball we're only I think it was only four minutes into the second half and obviously Brentford were trying to take control of the game and play in our half which we were allowing them to do we were sitting back deep and kind of thought okay this is the second half we're going to get but I don't know why their back three decided that they would all be five or six yards inside our half with Broya on the left wing and obviously played him in he was well in behind took his goal brilliantly goalkeeper almost saved it but Took it brilliantly. Um, he's he's the talk of the town at the moment, isn't he? Everyone's hoping mm. that the Serbian money can come out and Chelsea will will look elsewhere for for a forward. But yeah, to keep him would be brilliant. And then to top it off, Che Adams came back from COVID off the bench, and uh, within five minutes of coming on, pops in a nice little finish from again another Diallo assist, but had gone into our half, cleared from a corner into a half. They all tried to get out early. He just hoofed it over his head, back back over the top. And Che Adams couldn't believe his luck, kind of half-controlled it and then let it bounce and nudged it past the keeper. I mean, defensively, woeful. And, and I don't think we were made to work for that 4-1. But you'll take it. Absolutely. You take it any day of the week. And it's good, you know, Shea coming back. He's still got the goals ticking over. I think that was his fifth or something. So it's great to have him back in the side. As you say, Broyer is just... He's unreal. Uh, I mean, he's only he's only just over 20 years old and he is such a mature striker. Uh, he, he knows sort of the tricks of the trade, as it were, up front. And he wants to win everything. We spoke about it in the last episode. Every single battle, he doesn't care if he's got a 1% chance of winning it. He will go for it. And actually, most of the time, he will win that battle. He'll get a free kick. He'll get a, he'll get a throw in. He'll get a corner. He'll get, uh, he'll get in through on goal and have a shot. He is absolutely fantastic, considering that, you know, when we signed him at the beginning of the season, it was just like a, a decent young backup striker, and now he's the main man. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah we signed him, yeah, signed him as the main man. But um, no, it was I was really thing. impressed with his work off the ball just before we mm. move on. You, would, you mentioned that. There have been times where we've been critical of his work off the ball. On the ball is great, but it seems, you know, I remember him coming on against Brighton, although we outplayed them and they scored that late goal, which wasn't deserved. The only real kind of criticism we could have was that when Broyer came on off the bench, I think it was the Brighton game, we were hoping that he would um, really press the back line and, and that didn't really happen and earlier on in the season against the likes of Sheffield United in the Cup where Arsenal said he had a bit of an attitude thing. But on Tuesday night, dog with a bone, he was an absolute animal. He, he, got, he, he gets knocks a lot. And he got another one. It looked bad. Then he came on, chased, ran up across the almost half, uh, almost the whole length, of, uh, the whole width of the pitch. Beg your pardon to chase down a keeper after coming back on. 
yeah, he was he, he was fired up, and uh, yeah, it's nice to see him putting out some videos and and always <clears throat> in his interviews talking about the Saints fans. It seems to be a real uh, connection he's got with them, and that mm. seems to be the topic of of most of his interviews. And uh, obviously, put something out on social media as well. So whether yeah, they say don't fall in love with a loan signing, but I think um, it's a bit I think too a late lot of now, isn't it? Twitter, yeah, a lot of football Twitter are, and we're just hopeful that maybe we can get him on a permanent. He's played a considerable amount of minutes in the last week. He's still got to be the first, one of the first names on the team sheet. So do you start him at the weekend against Wolves? Yeah, he plays. Surely he plays. Yeah. I think, I think I would expect that we'll play four. Uh, we'll play three, four, three against Wolves. Mm. We'll match them up. It makes complete and utter perfect sense. We did it against Chelsea in the cup, man for man. We did it against Tottenham in the league, man for man. And both games we were. The two of our better performances the whole season. Then yesterday we played three at the back, but obviously three five two to match up Brentford, and it worked again. We were dominant. I don't see it. I don't see any reason why Ralph wouldn't implement that tactic again three four three and go man for man against Wolves. Um, they like to play in that way. If they go to three five two, then and, and change it and bring on Dendonka or someone like that, then we could do the same thing. Um, very difficult to drop one of that midfield three, though, after the performance, mm. isn't it? It is. It is. And, of course, we will be without... Um, you'd, well, you'd expect us to be without Elianusi. Uh, he got he got COVID. So that's uh, one <coughs> player that's out of the equation, who I think has actually been doing really well recently. I think also a word for Nathan Redmond. I think he's been performing fantastically recently. Um, he's done... I know he's very much the scapegoat for a lot of fans, but I think he's really, really upped his game over the past couple of months, and he's done really well to... Yeah. He's, he's been a, he's a, a, been a great threat. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how Saints will, will go. I'm th thinking of any... We're, hopefully, we might have a, a recognised right-back uh, or a right-wing-back. Uh, you think Walker-Peters might come back or... No, if he's got COVID as well, possibly not. He might have enough time to get back Livermento they seem to be being very careful with him at the moment as you would but uh, I'm I'm really interested in in seeing how we line up against Wolves uh, Wolves have got a few injuries themselves um, Pedro Neto who seems to be a bit of a nemesis for Saints at the moment he's not going to be fit neither is uh, Johnny Otto or uh, then you strike Hicham uh, Huang Roman Saiz of course is away at the Africa Cup of Nations as well so and that's a big miss for them. I think the first couple there, Otto and Neto, have been out pretty much all season. Mm. Wang for a few games, but size is a big player for them. The left side of that back three with with Cody and Kilman, they've played all season and defensively they've been brilliant. Um, you 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 messaged me uh, I think yesterday or Tuesday night about about the the Saints Brentford game and how great it was and looking ahead to Wolves and I said yeah all those goals and this one will be a nil nil because. That's what Wolves are doing at the moment. Defensively yeah. strong, but not a great amount going forward. They beat us 1-0 in, uh, in that only home loss this season uh, for Saints. And that was all that, that would have been a nil-nil, but for a, a defensive mistake and a, a bit of quality from Jimenez, which we haven't seen too much from this season. So it will be tight again. But I, I think Forster plays in goal again. I think he, it's, his, mm. it's his place to lose now. Um, for my personal opinion, I think we played the same back three that played Tuesday. I think they could do it again. Lianco, Bednarik and and, uh, and Salisu. Perot on the left and 
hopefully Walker Peters on the right. We, I don't know what his COVID situation is, but the amount of days you have to self-isolate seems to be going down daily now. So mm. um, I'd, I'd expect him to play there. And that's a much more balanced side. I think he'd re- really relish playing on the right, but also in a wing-back role as well, because he, he's been really good going forward recently. Same for Perot. Um, Adams and Brower? Well, I was looking at the midfield because... I'm, you, I'm skipping ahead. You, <laughs> yeah, do you go, you know, who do you drop out of Ward Prowse, Romeo and, and Diallo? Um, it's nice to have I, that I conundrum, wonder, though. Lovely conundrum. But I wonder if he might drop Romeo, considering he started against Swansea, started again. He's obviously older of the three. And Diallo was just so good. I mean, Romeo was fantastic as well. But Diallo, Diallo might have put himself um, in contention to start this game give Romeo a rest so maybe those two Redmond and Broyer play um, and then the, the other one is a difficult call to make because do you play Nathan Teller who's been in line in the starting lineup for a while consistently and did such a good job for the team do you reward him by playing in a front three does Stuart Armstrong get the opportunity to start as he did against Swansea having had a rest in midweek and only come off the bench is he fully fit? Is Che Adams fully fit? Do you work him into a front three? Adam Armstrong has been playing on the wide left or wide right of a front three and, and he offers that pace. So we have got a lot of good options. Uh, if it's me, I would probably go with... I'd, I think I'd quite like to see Adam Armstrong play off the left, Redmond off the right, because I think Adam Armstrong does offer us something... He's really quick. He's really good at, at getting down that side and cutting in, having some shots and linking up. So I think I'd like to see him cause Nelson Semedo some problems because I think he's um, a weak link for Wolves defensively. But where, where do you think they'll go? Are you, are, do you agree that we'll match them up man for man? And uh, and would you make too many changes to, to that lineup I've suggested? I think we will we will go up man to man because it seems to work. Uh, it works so well against Brentford, and Ralph seems to sort of like that style. I don't think as I don't think it's going to be a very tricky game. I think it's going to be really really tough. Wolves know how to keep other teams out. They're not although they're not scoring scoring themselves. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a tough away game. At one point I want to make about I th- it just it's a quote that you said quite a while ago, but about fostering goal just seems to sort of give confidence to everyone around him when it's McCarthy the players seem to be a bit more tentative the defender seems a bit a bit like unsure at what they're doing with Forster I don't know whether it's just his general presence but there seems to be a lot a lot better cohesion at the back we seem to face less shots uh, and he seems to just marshal everyone really really well which I haven't seen with McCarthy. And I know that's a point that you made um, a while back. That I think just... that quote goes back about seven years with Forster, back to his <laughs> first his first um, stint with us. Well, he's always been with us, but, you know, yeah. in the first team. Yeah, I think there's there's a good... Um, there's a, yeah, there's a good shout you made there. That, that, that is part of it. I think he does bring some... Uh, there, there is an error in him still, and long-term he's not going to be the answer, but I think... There's an air of confidence. But also, I just think we're so much better with the back three. Someone can make a mistake and you've still got the two centre-halves to mop it to up. mop up if need be. You know, I, th- I think if we play a back 
three against Wolves. I don't think Jimenez scores the goal he scored at St Mary's. Even if two of them did fuck it up, there'd still be another one there. So um, <laughs> I think one yeah. player that we really lacked in the home game against Wolves was Stuart Armstrong. We really, really lacked having someone able to unlock that Wolves defence. And it was, it was painful. I remember the episode you and I did after that uh, match of just how you know, it's just excruciating watching Saints try and break them down. Yeah, but now that was, a, that was a bad. It was a bad, bad performance. Especially, I think Wolves had a bit of an injury crisis. They weren't in good form themselves, and we were thinking this is the opportunity with more difficult games to come where we can get that home win and get that first win of the season. And then, and then we were terrible. So I think I would have Armstrong. Uh, in the side, maybe put ahead Redmond. of Armstrong. <laughs> Armstrong ahead of Armstrong, or if I just say Armstrong, and I can't get it wrong either way, unless neither of them start. And maybe have Redmond up front with Brozier. Um, I think play almost a three-five-two. Yeah, Armstrong yeah. It depends what Wolves do. I expect Wolves to go with a with a three-four-three. Three. They usually mm -hmm. do, but like I said, they can go into a, a five in midfield. I think the the other reason, I mean, Teller, you know, would be unfortunate to miss out. He's played well. Armstrong, like you said, could come, uh, Stuart Armstrong could come into the team. Of course, he maintained that record of Saints uh, winning games yeah. or being unbeaten or whatever it is when he's in, not, not, they struggle to win when he's not in the side. That's I what think, I think. What was it? I think that, that's what it is. And he, he has a cameo after the game's already yeah. won against Brentford just to keep that going. But I, I just think, I think this will be a tight game. I think you make a really good point about having someone to maybe unlock them. I'm going with the option of maybe trying to stretch them, see how that works. But also, I think it will be game of limited chances for both sides. And to have Adam Armstrong on the pitch, along with Broya, rather than someone like Teller or maybe Stuart Armstrong, maybe if one of those few chances falls to another striker, we might have a way and might have a chance of, of coming away with um with more than more than a point. But yeah, I, I think I think there are a number of ways you can go with this. It all depends on how Wolves play, you know, especially at Molyneux. I think there's I think there's more onus on the home side to come forward, whereas against Saints they kind of sat back and really boring, always got the ball with Cody at his feet and at the back. I wonder if they I'm trying to think who they might have to bring in at centre back with Saiz not being there. But um, mm. it, it, there's there's an, an opportunity to maybe um get Adam Armstrong going at one of those. And uh, yeah, that excites me a bit. And Stuart Armstrong, if we're str struggling to unlock a side or they've got a goal when they're defending it, then maybe you bring him on to try and uh, work a bit of magic. But isn't it really good to have these options though? And yeah. then we're in January transfer window with murmurs and potential talk of, of adding to the squad as opposed to who we might lose or who we might have to get rid of to, to reinvest. You know, it's... Makes it such is a looking change. positive. It really it is. is. And one point I want to make before before we wrap up, actually, is because this I know Saints have haven't exactly been in a in um like an easy run of fixtures. However, this tie this game against Wolves seems to start quite a tricky run that Saints have got coming up in terms of Wolves away. Then of course you've got Man City at home next weekend, Coventry in the cup, which breaks it up quite nicely. Then fought two um two away trips in a week to Spurs and then Manchester United. And then you're playing, and then you've got a game, back-to-back -back home games at the end of February against Everton and Norwich. So tricky run of fixtures, both Manchester clubs. I know Manchester United are a bit in the... Well, we'll rule out Everton and Norwich because those aren't tricky games, are they? Yeah. You know, no, all due respect, you know, you don't look at those two and in the of run course, of fixtures. And of course, you've got to... Um, 
I'd imagine between I'd imagine between now and the Manchester United game on the 12th of February, or maybe even the Everton game, that you probably slip the Newcastle rescheduled match somewhere, in, yeah. somewhere in there. But as yeah, long as they as long as they've got all their players back from injury. Oh yeah, yeah. Don't forget. Well, you know, Kieran Trippier, Chris Wood. <laughs> it's not quite the Mbappe million pound striker, Chris Wood. It's not yeah, quite I, the Mbappe and Haaland that they were hoping you, for. You say that's you say that you say that's a tough fixture run, but I'm not sure it's as tough as you make out or as it might look on paper, especially when you put them them two fixtures at the end of Everton and Norwich at home. You work the Newcastle game into there. You know, the, Wolves is Wolves is tough. Wolves is always tough. It's going to look. We've already said. It's you know there'll, there'll be a goal in it. I, you know it won't, won't be littered with goals. I don't expect, but Man City obviously will be a tough test at St Mary's. But we've already drawn nil nil with them this season, mm. and we do generally tend to compete with them. I know we've been on the the wrong end of a couple of hide-ins, but we tend to compete with them. That Che Adams one nil game comes to mind. Remember Raheem Sterling scoring it at the had in the very ninety sixth minute when we were at Pellegrino or. Um, and earlier this season, nil-nil. So it's not a write-off, that game. But then you said two, two away trips in a week to Tottenham and Man United. Sounds, uh, you know, usually that sounds like it's a, a tr- tricky part of the season. But, you know, I think we can take the game to both those sides. I think Spurs have improved under Conte, but they're still not running on full steam. Man United are in absolute shambles at the moment. So... I, the way we're playing, I w- I'm not too worried about it. And then even if we do struggle to get points, we've then got the likes of Everton, Norwich, Newcastle, and we're in a position, like you mentioned at the top of the show, where we're 11th. And it's not like any pressure is going to come on to us if we, if we lose a couple of games. And uh, one to sort of disprove my own point, uh, after the Norwich game, we then get into March where, yeah, we got... Uh, a tricky away game at Aston Villa with the signings that they're making, followed by games against Watford, Burnley and Leeds. So, OK, it's a little bit of a bad stint. And then we have some, we sort of have, because those were the exact same fixtures in a row that we had at the B, in the first half of the season where we took all of those, I think it was oh, four, yeah. four wins or three wins and a draw or something yeah. like that, and then defeat against Norwich. Um but yeah, I, we can't lose to Norwich again. Sure, that that spell of that spell of fixtures where we were we were looking for the wins that we hadn't got so far this season, and and they came, they came that our way. You know, at the moment we're looking at a lot of those games as winnable games, which maybe we weren't doing a couple of months ago, which is a is a good thing. Maybe by the time we play those games, we have some a couple of new signings in the door, which will just can only be a good thing. Um, and maybe a few more, you know, a, a couple more wins by that point. But yeah, Wolves, Wolves first, Man City, then Coventry. You know, they won't be looking that far ahead. And um, you, you, you focus on your own game. And and I must say, Hassan at all tactically in the last few games, has got, you know, since Christmas has got it absolutely spot on, um, which he wasn't doing before. So I, I, you know, I think things are things are looking up and. I'm looking forward to what I imagine will probably be a bit of a dire game against Wolves. Yeah. But I think we've got a good chance of going there and and, and getting a win. And uh, they're one of those teams that are within touch and distance of us. I think, I think they're up in sort of eighth place, aren't they? So I'll just have a look. Let's, let's, I don't think we can ever take the, gap. the win. But, um, I think we can go within a point of them. Let me just check. Yeah, I think they're about four, yeah, I think yeah. we're about four points off 
eighth or seventh or something like that. Yeah, yeah, so, we can go within a point of them. So, yeah, I mean... The guy's also, talking about yeah, European football on the horizon, right? Well, well, exactly. We can sort of... It, we've got ourselves into a position now where essentially, I know you rarely... 40 points is usually more than enough, but we need maybe, what, 12 or 14 points more from the remaining games and we'll be absolutely fine, especially with the dross that's down there at the moment, especially with the likes of Burnley losing their main man, Watford now entering a period of winnable fixtures for them without their main men as well. Um, basically, we can we can just watch the relegation battle unfold from our, from, from from up high. With popcorn, yes. With popcorn, Why exactly. Why not? Let's, and, let's have a push in the cup. Mm-hmm. Let's keep, keep momentum going. Let's play with the monkey off, well and truly off our back, see how many points we can get before the end of the season. You never know. We might... We might go on a little bit of a run. You put out a, a tweet where we were identical in terms of uh, wins and points mm. and position and whatever it was for um, for that European you know, record season under under Ronald Koeman, I believe, with the, when we finished in, in yeah. sixth. I know we went on a hell of a run second half of the season, but we allowed ourselves to do that by by having no no pressure on us. So, yeah, I think no no pressure, real optimism around the takeover, the most recent win. Going go into the Wolves game knowing that we will need to up our performance because we can't play like we did against Brentford because it was easy, you know, if you yeah. know what I mean. You know, we don't want we don't want to get caught off guard because we haven't upped our game. You know, Brentford allowed us to play a leisurely second half and uh, we, Wolves won't do that. So let's go into that. Let's see if we can carry on this momentum. By the end of January, if we've got a signing or two into the door, that's a bonus because I don't think we necessarily need it right now. And then let's just see where the rest of the season takes us because we can go up to places like Old Trafford and Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with a smile on our face and and play and try playing some football and try enjoying ourselves and see what comes of that. Yeah, we put ourselves in that position. It's great. It's a fantastic time to be a Saints fan. And before we finish, Callum, I think just a little word to our friends, uh, just slightly north, but well done, Cambridge, for the last week or so. Well done. Oh, yes, yeah, you reminded me. I wanted to make a, a note of that. Yeah, they did uh, a brilliant job in the FA Cup when they knocked out Newcastle the same day that we uh, we knocked out Swansea. And then um, just when you think it can't get any better than a 4-1 win against Brentford, you uh, you hear on the tannoy that um, that's St Mary's that the uh, Cambridge have managed to uh, knock, knock Pompey out of the, out of the pizza trophy. So, um, yeah. That's uh, well, well done, well done, Cambridge. Be the first and the last time we probably ever say that on this podcast. But fair play, fair play. Anyway, if you want to find the podcast, you can find it on Twitter at under underscore saints. You can find me at t two one four Murray. You can find me at Callum Wilson twenty one. And as usual, stay safe, stay wonderful. <laughs>